You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Is brought to you by Home Advisor and Greenworks. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And what are you working on? If it's your house, you're in exactly the right place. If it's your condo, your apartment, or even your yurt, you're welcome as well. <laughs> because whatever place you call home, we're here to help you make it better, make it safer, make it more comfortable, reduce your energy expense, and take on whatever project you just like to get done. Help yourself first, though, by reaching out to us at one 888 or post your questions on moneypit.com. Coming up, do you have champagne, home makeover dreams, but a beer budget? Well, (laughs) you do not have to give up those dreams. We've got tips on seven upgrades that you can do with less than a thousand bucks. And plaster walls are common in older homes, but cracks are almost as common after decades of settling. We're going to share a trick of the trade to make repairing those cracks easy and fast. And hey, just because you're a renter doesn't mean you can't make changes to your home or apartment to cut heating costs. We've got solutions to solve your energy issues, including some that you can even take with you when it's time to move out. But first, we want to hear from you. What are you working on now, next week, or even in the weeks ahead? We've got 20-plus years of experience between us taking on home improvement, remodeling, decor projects, you name it. We've probably done it, or at least One of us has done it, and the other one's researched it or helped. (laughs) Whatever it is, we are a good team that can help you get the job done. So tell us what you are working on and let us give a hand. I'd say it's 20 years each, but that makes us sound too old. (laughs) Shut up. I'm only 25, so I don't know how that's even possible. 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, my young friend, who's first? Dana in Iowa, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, I have a shelf that needs to be cut down so it'll fit in the base of our A-frame cabins that we just bought in the Ozarks. And so it's about 20 inches tall, and it's about three feet long, and it kind of has those baskets that fit in it. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to cut it at an angle so that it fits back in there and it's not just sticking out into the the flooring space. So, Dana, what you need to do is that I mean, really, what you have to do is sort of resize this piece so that it will fit into that open bay portion so that it's not, as you say, sticking out into the room. And you really need to be creative with the angles to sort of figure out what needs to come out of where. Can you tell me a little bit more about this A-frame and the size of the shelf? Well, the A-frame is just a regular A-frame. It goes all Mm -hmm. the way from the top to the peak, all the way to the ground level. And um, so I was trying to figure out how do you figure the angle so that I know what angle to cut this shelf on. Well, there's a tool that you're going to want to get, T-bevel. And it's it's like a plastic handle with this sort of, 
tic-tac oval shaped blade that's got like Mm -hmm. a slide set in the middle of it and Mm -hmm. you're going to open that up you can get that at any tool area you know at the home center and you're going to want to open it up and you put that right in the corner at the angle and then lock it in that position and then you go ahead and put that at your t-square and that's going to tell you exactly the angle that you need to cut at or you can then take that T-bevel and go right up to the bottom of your shelf, put it exactly where you're going to want to put that cut, and mark that line. Okay. Yeah, it's like an adjustable square, and it's called a T-bevel, and you should be able to find an inexpensive one. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I mean, Leslie it really is going to save your day and make this the easiest project. I use that all, right. all the time for different types of fancy mitering cuts, and too, because there's a couple of tricks of the trade where you can you know, measure an angle and then divide it <clears> so that you can make a miter that ends up perfect uh, on on both sides but and we also use it sometimes to set the angle on saw blades so i think you'll find that it'd be a very handy tool for this particular project okay Mm -hmm. dana all right thank you very much you're welcome thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit michael in north carolina is on the line with a water heater that's making some curious sounds tell us what's going on Recently, the last uh, four to six weeks, I've been noticing it, it sounds like a bubbling and a popping noise inside of the water heater. I've read several things on the Internet, but I can't quite put my finger on it, and I'm worried that uh, either the vessel's getting ready to go or I'm, I'm not sure at this point. How old is the water heater? Um, it looks to be of considerable age. I'm guessing between six and eight years. Well, I mean, water just generally go about 10 to 12 years, so that's not, that's kind of middle age. It's not too terrible. By the way, if you look at the data plate on that water heater, usually there's a date stamp sort of buried into the serial number. Sometimes it'll actually say what the date of the manufacturer is, or at the least, it's going to have a, a gas standard uh, in terms of which code it was built to, and it'll give you a year there. So you can get an actual sense of, of what the age of the water heater is. The noise is usually caused by a sediment buildup on the bottom of the tank. So if you drain the tank occasionally, that will usually stop that. Have you ever drained your tank? Um, in the eight months I've been there, no. But I had um, read something somewhere along the lines that you have to be very careful with. It's got a uh, plastic drain valve on it. And when you have a water heater that's a little bit older, I guess they get become brittle. And I'm worried about uh, breaking that and making things much worse immediately. Well, I mean, you could very carefully try to drain the water heater. You simply hook up a garden hose to that spout. It's designed to be drained and let some of the water out of it and try try to spill off some sediment with that. You get sediment on the bottom of the tank, and that does uh, tend to make it uh, pretty noisy sometimes. Okay. Is there any chance that uh, I have the temperature turned up too high and it's causing, well, I guess not at 125 degrees, it wouldn't cause a boiling, would it? No, it wouldn't. And, you know, 125 degrees, though, is pretty hot. You, you really want it to be more like 110. Okay. Just for safety's sake, if nothing else. Yeah, because you could easily get scalded. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll give that a shot. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. 
Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T, MONEYPIT. Cecily and I was on the line with a wallpaper conundrum. What's going on at your Money Pit? Well, I have a probably 24-year-old townhome that I think the paper has been on the wall since uh, for that long. It was popular back then. Uh, yeah, yeah, back then. I'm just wondering, the person I had in here tried to, where the wallpaper uh, butts up against the ceiling, There's it looks like a bad job, and there's some marks, and he thought he could wipe it down, and everywhere he wiped it down, there's like a watermark all along where he looks like icicles, uh, an uneven line of watermark. And I don't know if it can, I've been told you can paint over it. Um, I mean, we have vaulted ceilings. It's a lot of paper. And I don't know how you would, if what they took it off, there's actually some posts papered with it, and I don't know what's underneath. 
I think the answer is you, you can remove it. It's a lot of work, like any type of wallpaper. Right. Um, if you want to paint over it, it's going to look like the wallpaper textured underneath. Paint. It's going to look textured underneath. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do like a really inexpensive short-term fix, you could paint over it. I would recommend that you use a very thick roller on that because otherwise it's going to be very hard to get the paint in where it has to go. And maybe... You might even need to use a slitted roller, the kind of roller that we use on textured ceilings mm-hmm. where it has actually sort of slots in it because it really gets in and around and thick and, and, and uh, will sort of fill out that whole surface with paint. Mm-hmm. Is it terribly difficult to remove? It depends on how long it's been there, what the prep process was to the wall below the paper. I mean, all of those can add up to an easy job or a tremendously difficult job. And it's one of those things that you don't know until you try. And, you know, there are ways to do it. Now, with a textured wall covering like this, whether it's grass cloth or the string cloth, you can try to use, you know, a store-bought wallpaper remover. You can use a steamer. You can do homemade concoctions. One is white vinegar and hot water. Mm-hmm. Another is fabric softener and hot water. Both situations, you super saturate the walls and just sort of let it sit there mm-hmm. for a few minutes. I've even heard of clothing start with hot water and making a paste onto the wallpaper. And I've used the fabric softener, and that does work. That Mm -hmm. was a traditional vinyl, which I had to score first. But I've also heard with grass cloths that you can take a paint scraper and scrape the actual string cloth or the grass cloth off of Mm. the backing. So that might make it easier to remove. Either way, it's going to be a lot of work, and you never know what's behind it. You could get everything off, and the wall could be so textured and dinged up that you end up having to put a layer of drywall over it anyway. Ah, okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. That's very helpful, and I'm glad I called. Well, no doubt some home improvements can cost a bundle, but you'd be surprised to know how many can deliver a pretty big impact at a fraction of the cost, including seven affordable upgrades you can do with less than a thousand bucks. So we're going to walk you through those. Yeah, let's start in your kitchen. Now, upgrading your kitchen work surfaces is an affordable home improvement because there are several sleek, budget-friendly materials out there to choose from, including green options like stainless steel, cast concrete, and solid surfacing. Now, updating your cabinet hardware, add some new paint, and your kitchen is going to look brand new. And then there's the bath, usually a very costly update for such a tiny room. But if you just kind of accessorize that bathroom, you can increase water savings, comfort, and safety, especially if you plan on being in your home for a while. These could include easy-to-grasp door and cabinet hardware, rocker switches, grab bars, and even water-saving shower fixtures or a water-saving toilet. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's my secret decor weapon. And it's really no secret, guys. I'm talking about paint. Paint is really underrated. It is the easiest, cheapest, and most transformative home improvement product out there. So use it. I mean, gallons of paint, you're going to vary in price point from about $35 up to $165 a gallon, depending on the brand manufacturer that you choose. So you can find a paint gallon that's affordable for you, and you can pick a color that will totally transform the space. And you can go big and bold, or you can go tried and true. Whatever it is, it's going to make a great difference. And if you are painting a room, you get to empty it. And that's a great opportunity to organize, which is our next tip. You should organize to create more space and less clutter. Improvements like shelving and safe storage zones are cheap and can convert a very crammed garage or a family room or a kid's room into a place that you can actually get stuff done and easily access 
everything you need. Yeah. Next, we're going to talk about outside because outdoor living is huge. Now, building a small deck or even a patio of brick, natural stone or cement pavers can expand both your living space and your home's value. And you can also update landscaping or upgrade your front entry door. And that's going to boost your curb appeal. And a great way to stretch your dollar is to make improvements that save money, like updating your home's insulation. These are easy, cost-effective improvements that'll bring you good bang for your buck for many years to come. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, we've got Dave in Ohio who's dealing with some seams in the drywall. Tell us what's going on. Well, uh, my garage, my attached garage is finished, um, but I've noticed that in the wintertime, the seams will pop and crack, uh, and then over the summer, I I re-taped and re-spackled and repainted, and that was in May, and then by December, they had popped again, and it's getting... Really frustrating. Um, it's also uninsulated. It's unheated okay. and uninsulated. So I'm trying to figure out what I can do to fix this permanently. Well, the the issue that you're dealing with primarily is that you've got drywall in an unconditioned space. So you're getting a lot of movement throughout the seasons, which is causing those seams to sort of open up and become visible for you. Now, when you're repairing them, are you using traditional drywall tape or are you using that mesh tape? I've been using, I used the mesh tape this last time. Okay. And still it popped open again? It still popped, yes. Did you remove the old tape before you put yes. the mesh tape down? Yes. How many layers of spackle did you put down? After the tape, I believe it was one. Okay. okay. You're supposed to do three. You want to start with one that's, you know, approximately the size of the tape, smooth it out, let it dry, sand it down. Put another layer, get a little bit wider, feather out, let it dry, sand down, and go with your widest, let that dry, sand it, and that really seals the tape in and allows for a smooth transition. I mean, you're dealing with an, you know, a finished garage, but it's still a garage space. You want it to look good, but you're putting an awful lot of work into it. Yeah. Yes. This, this is like Groundhog Day home improvement. Every day you wake up, you got to do it all over, all over again. <laughs> The thing is that when builders construct these spaces, they're not required to put more than one coat of spackle on because it's just for fire resistance. So we end up getting stuck with these houses that have tape that fall off over the years because it just wasn't finished spackled. So the key here is to remove the old loose tape, sand the area so you have good adhesion. You know, Not aggressively, but just lightly sand. Use the perforated tape that's like the sticky back perforated tape, kind of looks like netting. Three coats of spackle prime paint and that should be permanent okay that sounds great all right dave good luck with that project thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit mike in iowa is on the line with a venting question how can we help you uh yeah i was listening to one of your shows earlier and uh he was talking about you know how the bathroom vents are vented into the attic yeah and i have mm-hmm. that problem uh ah. regarding that you know like i mean it's right into my insulation it's not vented out by any means yeah yeah, very I'm common problem. What's the best way to fix that problem? 
Okay, so what you want to do is you want to uh, install a duct, uh, a vent duct, and you can use flex duct for this. That will take it from the bath exhaust fan uh, to a discharge point. Now, where the discharge point is is going to be up to you. A lot of options. Uh-huh. Uh, typically, you can take that out to the nearest sidewall, like a gable wall, and bring uh-huh. it right through the wall, and you would use a, a, a termination point, a discharge point. It's like a piece of flashing that has like a hood on it and lets the air get uh-huh. out, and it snaps shut and keeps it from getting wet. You could also take it and you could drop it into a soffit, but you have to actually bring it through the soffit again into a grid so that it's not obstructed. So you can take the vent and, and drop it down so it, it points towards a vented soffit right right out. Or you can take it up further and point it right at a existing roof vent. Now, I don't like that as much because I think that the higher you try to lift that air, the less effective it's mm-hmm. going to be. But that is an option. You can bring it straight up and point it out an existing roof vent and let it exhaust there. Uh, over the, you know, my house is about six years old. And I'm wondering, you know, I'm paying uh, pretty high uh, energy bills regarding the heat. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is when the insulation gets moist from all that moisture that's being dumped into the attic, it completely cuts down on the R value of the insulation. So you do need to get that vented outside, whether it's through the siding with one of those trap doors that sort of opens out Uh every time you've got it on or through the soffit. But you want to keep it the shortest run so that you can effectively move that air. Now, if you're evaluating what's going on with the insulation up in the attic, you really need to look at how much compression is there what is the condition are you talking about like pink fiberglass bats uh, it's got a white fiberglass uh... it looks like it's blown in yeah yeah you you can add more blown in because you want it to fill up to the you know the floor joist when you're looking up in your attic floor you want it to sort of reach the you know the height of that bay and you can do that with uh-huh. more blown in or what you can do is just take rolls of fiberglass and go perpendicular to your floor joist just to sort of make up and add some oomph to the r value and that will really enhance your insulative value but you do have to vent that outside okay all right thank you you're welcome, Mike. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Ben in Illinois is on the line and is having some issues with a water heater. Tell us what's going on. Over a period of time, my hot water stream would keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And finally got to the point where I turned the hot water on, it would just barely trickle. I disconnected the discharge pipe on the discharge side of the hot water heater and found that the lime had built up so bad in the pipe coming out of the top of the hot water heater that there was just a very tiny hole there. Right. At that point in time, didn't know what else to do. I just took a very large screwdriver and tapped that limestone out of there. Of course, that fell to the bottom of the hot water heater. It's been fine for about four and a half years. It's getting to the point where I'm going to have to do it again. And I've talked to retired plumbers in that, and they told me that it, what's causing that is a reaction between the copper pipe and the metal that is uh, on top of the hot water heater. And I was told that there was a, like a nipple that you screw on top of the hot water heater and then connect your copper pipe. My question is, what type of metal is that 
that goes between the copper pipe and uh, the metal coupling on top of the hot water heater. Yeah, Ben, all you want to do is head to a plumbing supply house and ask for plastic-lined nipples. That actually is going to create the um, sort of the bimetal protection or insulation between uh, those two pipes, and that will stop that corrosive effect uh, that you're seeing, and, of course, they'll stop the pipe from clogging as a result of that. All right. Well, I sure thank you for your time and your advice. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, long before we had walls made of drywall, plaster was the material of choice for wall and ceiling construction. But often, older homes settle, and that allows cracks to form in the plaster. And we all know that just painting over the cracks solves nothing, and tearing off all the plaster to redo it can be time-consuming and really not very economical. But there is a way to repair those plaster cracks. Yeah, there really is only one correct way to make the repairs to plaster walls that's going to really last and look good. But first, let's start by talking about how plaster and lath walls are constructed, because it's important that you know how they're thrown together. First, you have lath. That's like a wood strip, kind of like I always think of it as the size of like a tomato steak, you know, the kind of steaks you put in the ground for your plants to like climb onto as they're growing in the summer. Uh, And that is laid over the framing, so it's laid over the two-by-fours, which... In the case of an older house, you know, is really a full two inch by four inch vertical stud. So really big beams. And then what happened after that, the plasterer would, would actually push the plaster through that lath because it'd have little gaps behind it and force it out the back and it would create sort of a hook to grab onto the lath. And that's the finished wall. It's multiple layers, of course, but essentially it's the plaster pressed through that lath. And that's what causes it to stay and look good for, I'd say the first hundred years or so. Now, what about the cracks? Because I feel like those form very easily. And really, what's the best way to repair them and keep them away? Yeah, well, what happens is those little plaster hooks or plaster fingers will loosen up over time, and then the plaster starts to move a little bit, and it'll start to crack. So here's how you fix that. First thing you do is you take a masonry bit, which is a drill bit that's designed to go into concrete, and it's actually easier to use than the drilling into concrete. But you want to drill holes along both sides of that crack, kind of right in the middle of that crack. I'd put one about every six inches. Then I want you to grab a vacuum cleaner to clean out all the loose dust from those places that you drill and anything that's in that crack. And then what you're going to do is to apply an adhesive, something like a construction adhesive, like perhaps a liquid nails, and squeeze a good drop of it into that hole until it kind of starts to come out and you can wipe off the excess. And that's actually going to be the adhesive that sort of holds that back into place. Now, how do you make sure, I mean, now you're doing so much work and it's separating and things are going on in that wall formation itself. How do you ensure that that plaster is going to sit tight against that lath again? Ah, so a little trick of the trade for that. It is called a plaster washer or a plaster button. Um, if you know what a fender washer is, it's like a really big washer with a really small hole in it. That's kind of what this is. And essentially what you do is you drive a screw right through the middle of that plaster washer or the plaster button. And it, I would put it right into the crack, right in the middle of the crack, and it will pull both sides of it in nice and tight. And then you leave it there while that adhesive that we just talked about is drying. And once it's dry, you can remove those plaster buttons, and then you can lightly sand it, perhaps put a nice layer of spackle on top of it or maybe a thin layer of plaster, and you will be good to go. So use those plaster washers to hold that plaster in place while the adhesive dries, and then you are all set. And remember, now would be the perfect time to choose a new paint color, so go ahead and be adventurous with your design. Well, you know the three most expensive words at Home Improvement, Leslie. 
<laughs> while might you're at as, it. Well, that's the foremost. <laughs> might as well is what I was thinking. But okay, yeah, while you're at it, it might as well, right? If you're going to do all that work on your walls, hey, you might as well paint the room at the might same time. Might as well. Time. And then, you know, that new chair would look really great. Fantastic. Or new bedding. Yeah, oh, my go. God. <laughs> this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show, where, as you can tell, we're not shy about spending money when it comes to our own home improvement projects. But we'd like to help you get yours done, perhaps spend a little money the right way, and make sure everything comes out exactly as you envisioned it. Call us right now. The number is one eight 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 money pit. You can call twenty four seven because if we are not in the studio, we will call you back the next time we are. Dreama in West Virginia is on the line and could be dealing with a structural issue. Tell us what's going on at your money pit. Um, yes, I purchased a house about thirteen years ago, and the house is approximately thirty years old. And all of a sudden, last year, I, in the load bearing center wall. I started getting a crack, and now within a year, that crack has gapped approximately a half an inch wide. And it's also, I noticed another room has a crack now. So I had a um, local handyman look at it, and he suggested that I put in three uh, piers, columns, to support the center wall. And I guess my question is, I haven't had an official large construction company look at it yet. I'm getting ready to do that. But I wanted to educate myself a little bit more. What would you all suggest? How long have you been in this house? 13 years. And this is new? Just started about a year ago. So here's the thing. If you if you call a contractor, you're going to get a contractor solution, which is to hire them to do something. What I would suggest you do first is to get an independent expert opinion, not necessarily an opinion from a contractor. So your options on that are, are two. Um, one is low cost. One I would say is moderate cost. The low cost option would be to find a local professional home inspector. You can go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors. That's at ashi.org, A-S-H-I.org. And you can put in your zip code. They'll shoot back a list of certified professional home inspectors in your area. You can call through that list, find somebody that's experienced, and have them look at it because they're just there to find out what's going on and what caused it and uh, and what's going to take to fix it. The second way to go, which is the moderate cost, is to actually hire a structural engineer. Now, why may you want to do that, Dreama? Well, you might want to do that if this is a fairly obvious problem. You want to certainly preserve the value of your house. And if you have a structural right. engineer look at it and write a report as to what's going on and what it's going to take to fix it, and then you actually give that report to a contractor and say, this is what I want you to do, and then you have the engineer sort of recertify that it was done correctly. It's kind of having like having a pedigree that the repair is uh, is done correctly and it can kind of sell with your house, so to speak. Problem with contractors is that they're not structural engineers. They're just handy guys, and they think that they have the expertise to fix stuff like this, and they just don't. They don't have the schooling. They don't have the education. They don't have the training. And so you know that's not necessarily the best way to go about dealing with a situation like this. I am a little concerned that it happened over this past year, because it sounds like it's active, and we want to get to the bottom of, of why it's active and why it's showing up all of a sudden. Well, someone had mentioned that it's a possibility we've had a lot of uh, dry, dry, several dry summers, and because that, that could cause a settling in the foundation. Is that possible? I've never heard of that before. Um, no. I mean, there are some uh, expansive soils that behave differently when they dry out a lot. But listen, there's going to be a lot of opinions. Every neighbor you ask is going to have a different one. What we're trying to do is move you towards an expert opinion so you really know what you're dealing with. So 
as I said, contact a professional home inspector or a structural engineer. Get the assessment. It's well worth it. You know, your home is a big investment. We want to make sure it's protected, okay? I hadn't thought of a home inspector. Thank you very much. Well, heating an apartment is the single biggest energy expenditure during the winter. But while homeowners can do things like purchase new energy-efficient heating systems, renters don't have the same options to improve the heat in a home they don't own. Or do they? Yeah. Now, even if you're not responsible for your apartment's heating bill, there are investments that can help you feel warm all winter long. Now, if your apartment's heating system and rental agreement permit, you can have a programmable thermostat installed. Yep, and you can use that thermostat to reduce the heat overnight when you're sleeping and then come up again in the morning before you awake, and then you can have it scoot down during the day when you're away. This is going to allow you to set a comfortable heating routine and pocket about 150 bucks a year in energy savings. Yeah, and you can also make sure that any heating registers that you've got in the apartment are unobstructed. You know, don't put furniture or window coverings in front of them. You want to make sure that the warm air can flow freely into each of the rooms in the apartment. Now, if your unit has radiators, you want to slide heat-resistant reflectors between them and the walls, and that's going to send even more warmth directly into the room. Now, don't forget about all those places drafts get in. You want to seal all of those escape routes around windows and doors, and use a removable caulking product. You can add weather stripping the doors, windows, and if you've got one in your apartment, the attic hatchway, which is an often ignored exit for warm air. If you've got a hatch that goes up to the attic, make sure it has a weather strip all the way around it. Now, you also want to turn off heating units in the rooms in the apartment that you're not using and shut the doors to keep that warm air moving exclusively into the areas that you occupy. So whether you own or not, there are things that you can do that are either free, inexpensive, or small investments that you can take with you when you move. Whether you rent, whether you own, it's all a possibility. Give us a call anytime, but remember, you can always post your questions at the Money Pits Facebook page or anytime at the Money Pits website, moneypit.com. Now, we've got a post here from Hal in North Charleston, South Carolina, who writes, I just put on a new shingle roof on our single-story duplex six months ago. We've got very large pine trees in the backyard, and pine straw is piling up on the roof. How damaging is that straw to the roof, and do I need to clear it off periodically? It's only damaging emotionally. <laughs> I mean, you got a new roof, you hate seeing it all dirtied up with the pine straw, but but really, that is not going to cause any physical damage whatsoever. Now, of course, you know, it could potentially clog your gutters. It's pretty good at blocking uh, gutters, even those that have some gutter covers on them. So I would just keep an eye on the gutters, how, but I don't think it's going to damage the roof at all. Uh, it's just a normal sort of condition for homes that are under those sorts of trees. So I think you're good to go. All right. Still a lot of work, but don't worry about it being damaging to the house. Next up, Gene in Somerville, South Carolina writes, we have a fireplace and would like to put a pass-through like the old milk ones for the firewood. Is there anywhere we can get one of these or is there a way to make one leak-proof and bug-proof? Sure. I mean, it depends on how inventive you are. But first of all, there are pass-throughs that are available commercially. They're used for many different purposes or they're used, you know, I mean, a pass-through might be used, for example, in a, in a room uh, that's a clean room where they're actually, um, working in, uh, say, uh, an area where they're making something that has to be perfectly clean. Like a lot of electronics factories have pass-throughs. So I know they make them. I've also seen that they can be insulated and watertight. Um, in addition, what you could do if you are handy is you could basically build one the same way you would build an exterior door. And finally, you know, a lot of doggy doors 
really are following the same sorts of principles as you might have in a pass-through. So that might be another option where you could actually find a doggy door design that worked as well. So there's a number of ways to get those. Um, I will say that in the best-case scenario, though, you know, it is going to be a source a potential energy leakage because no matter how good it is, it's still going to probably be um, not as good as the wall would be solid. So I know it looks great, but I mean, if you really, really want to go there, go ahead. But I still think it's going to be a cost to it in terms of uh, wasted energy. Do you have to worry about security issues with something like that? Well, yeah, that's a good point as well. And, you know, we've, we've heard about cases where uh, the skinny burglars can slip through the pet doors, you know, so I don't see why that couldn't be another way that they typically will get in. Chloe from New Jersey is writing that her daughter just turned 13 and has a new sense of independence and really wants to transform her bedroom from the princess room that we thought was fine and never wanted to grow out of uh, to a room that a young teen would be happy to spend her next few years in. Leslie, how do we pick the color to get started? Oh, geez. I think you got to ask your kid what color they're into. And you'll be surprised. I bet they have a lot of opinions already about how they want this room to look. So definitely pull your teen, pull your child, find out what colors they're into. Obviously, you know, if they're getting too crazy or it's something you're worried about coming up in the future, you know, talk them through with this. Also ask them to pull some research ideas and, you know, maybe something they like from a magazine or something they saw online. Everybody's doing a Pinterest board. Have them do it and then sort of narrow it down. Remember, pick samples, try it out on the wall first and have fun. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thank you so much for spending this part of your day with us. We hope that we've given you some tips and advice that you can use to make your home more comfortable, more energy efficient, and heck, more fun. If you've got questions, remember you can reach us anytime of the day or night by calling 888-MONEY-PIT or posting your question at moneypit.com. If we are not in the studio and that question comes in, we guarantee you we will try to call you back the next time we are. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.